Small businesses are the backbone of America, and they help keep the spirit of Texas alive. But did you know as many as 50% will close their doors forever after just five years? Well, we're here to change that. This is The Beef. We know how tough it is to be an entrepreneur today. We're giving small business owners a platform to share their story. You'll hear it all. The highs and the lows. The good and the bad. But most importantly, you'll learn. Welcome to The Beef. The Beef. Oh yeah, welcome back everybody to another episode of the Beef Podcast. I don't want to say it, but the end is near. Man, we are almost done with one year of the Beef Podcast. And as you know from an episode we had earlier, we're renaming. We've got a new intro that I heard. We have a new set of artwork that I saw. It's going to be amazing. I can't share the name with you yet. I can't tell you all those secrets, but all I can tell you is the end is near, and this is one of the very few last episodes of the Beef Podcast, so welcome back. Here we are. It's another Thursday or another whatever day you're listening, and we've got an episode here. We've got an awesome guest. My guest today is Mark Joseph with babyboomer.org. Mark, welcome to the show. Hey, I appreciate you inviting me. Thanks so much. Man, it is our pleasure to have you here. It's another outlet that the Beef Podcast is going to be posted on, so that's really cool. And I think you're doing something for a generation that, you know, hasn't been kind of served in the tech capacity very well. So I'm interested to hear about where you've been and where you're going as far as babyboomer.org is concerned. But here on the Beef Podcast, we always start out with an icebreaker question. So today's question is, Mark, do you prefer to travel by train, plane, or car? Plane is the way I go. Yep. In fact, I just came back from Texas on a plane. Yeah. And I'm heading out on another plane tomorrow. My wife and I are completing a bucket list. Our bucket list is we wanted to visit all 50 states and we've got four to go. So we're flying up to Boston and we are going to visit Connecticut, Vermont, New Hampshire, and Maine. And I will have hit my bucket list. Yeah. Have you been to Boston before? Yes, I've been to Boston. Great I love town. it. Great Boston town. is amazing. It's definitely one of my favorite destinations that I've been to for sure. I'm with you, man. Playing for me all the way. I don't know what your reasoning is behind it for me. I'm one of those instant gratification type people. So I absolutely want the trip to go as quickly as possible. And on a plane, it's pretty nice, easy. You can fly across the country in two, two and a half hours in a car ride. Man, I love traveling and seeing stuff. But for some reason, just the destination, getting there, I just want to hurry up, get there, and then do my traveling and sightseeing. So I would say long travel, I definitely want to fly. I hear you. You know, I was listening to your new introduction with it said 50% of small businesses fail. You know, that is a scary number. It is. You know, being an entrepreneur myself, there's all kinds of reasons why businesses fail, why small businesses fail. You know, 42% of them fail because they don't have a market or they don't have the right service. In other words, you know, being a small business person, when you open up a business, you kind of figure, oh, my idea, I got the greatest idea since sliced bread. And it's your idea and it's a great product. 
but nobody else wants it. Yeah. But you go out there and you do that. You know, that's 42% of the reason that you got the wrong product and you're talking to the wrong people. You just, that's one reason why 50% of these businesses fail. Another reason 30% of them fail because they don't have enough capital. You know, when you open up a new business, you've got to just assume you're not going to have sales for six months. You got to figure how can I meet all my expenses and what do I need to do? How do I raise capital? Either borrow money on your credit card or from your dad or from your cousins, you know, borrow the money, get the money in hand, because that's why 30% of these things, you know, you run out of money. You may have a great product, but you're running out of money, Yeah, you know, and 25% fail because you haven't put together the right team. And, you know, most entrepreneurs, we're all pretty selfish. We think we know it all. And so, you know, you're an entrepreneur, you've got to realize what your weaknesses are. Me, for example, I don't like accounting. So, you know, you sit me in a room with a spreadsheet for eight hours, I'll go absolutely nuts. <laughs> yeah. So you got to surround yourself with people that your weaknesses are their strengths. And you got to let go of the ego. You got to find other people. You can't be the smartest guy in the room in certain categories. You got to let somebody else do it. So, you know, that's a scary number to open up your shore. Sure, you know, sure you got 50% failing. Yeah. Well, let's see if we can stop some of that. Absolutely. I mean, dropping knowledge bombs right away. So that was a good podcast. Appreciate you coming out today. Appreciate the listeners. Like, we'll just end it right here, right? That was knowledge bomb right off the rip. Man, I couldn't agree with you any more than what you just said. I mean, first of all, the numbers don't lie. And second of all, why do we spend so much money in all of our industries doing market research? It's for that exact reason. You know, Walmart's not going to go out to a city that's got a population of 500 people and put a big Walmart Supercenter right there in the middle of it and think, well, just because I'm Walmart, I'm going to succeed. I mean, they do that market research for a reason and find out how much capital they can expect to make every single day based on that. So you hit it right on the head, man. Those numbers are exactly right. Oftentimes, as much as we don't want to say it, it falls on the entrepreneur as to why it's failing. And you've got to overcome those things before you ever face them. I'm glad you mentioned Walmart. I don't know if you noticed, but the first book I wrote it's called The Secrets of Retailing, How to Beat Walmart. <laughs> nice. Right. And I wrote this book because in my entrepreneurial background, I started a couple companies. One I sold to investors and the other one I took public. And the company that I took public became the premier business-to-business -business site on the internet where we sold case quantity to small businesses who could survive and thrive against the chains. So we were you know, running the company and I was getting like 30 calls a day or for a week from entrepreneurs, small businesses on what do you do? How do you open a company? What do you do? So I figured out, ah, I'll write a book. So that's book is 15 different chapters of how to open and run a business. So, you know, how to hire your people, how to find your location, where to find your sources and products, how to do marketing on the internet, how to do marketing regular. And the last chapter is exit strategy. In other words, once you're done, how do you sell your business? What do you do with it? So yeah, that's interesting you mentioned Walmart because when I wrote this book, Walmart would not allow it in their stores. <laughs> I wonder why. Yeah. Well, man, you've got a lot of stuff going on. So let's just dive into it and tell me about you. Tell me where you came from and how you got to where you are now. And if you don't mind sharing just how you became an entrepreneur and why. Sure. No problem. I went to school in Ohio. I was uh, you know, from Miami of Ohio and it was uh, very cold up there. And I said, I'm going to go south. So I was recruited into, I went moved to Florida for 13 years and we went into the department store business with a chain called Burdines, which is part of Federated, which is now Macy's. And that's where I cut myself on how to learn businesses. 
And then I went in the off-price stores. I went in and I helped take one chain from 240 stores to 551. I took another chain called Everything a Dollar Store from 49 to 440. And then I went into another chain of bookstores called Crown Bookstores and took them and grew with them. So I was on that part of the business. And I realized I really was a, wanted to be an entrepreneur. Both my parents' parents were entrepreneurs. You know, I saw what they did. And so after doing all that, I said, well, I'm going to go become an entrepreneur. And that's when I got involved with uh, the businesses. But what's interesting is along the way, I've always been interested in writing in books. I think it started when I was in college. I went with my best friend. We decided to do a, a backpacking trip through Europe for 11 weeks. So, you know, we got on, you rode the train, slept in uh, hostels, rented motorcycles, did everything you did when you backpacked. During that time, I kept a journal every single day. And the journal was about people and places. And I made a copy. I gave it to my friend. He called me about 10 years later. He says, you got to start writing. He says, I just read this journal again. And it's really, it talks about people and all that kind of stuff. So that's why I decided, well, you know, even though I'm in business, maybe down the road, I'll do some writing. <laughs> and so and then my most recent book is called I Don't Want to Turn Three. And it's a story about kids. And the reason I wrote this book is... And I wouldn't have done it without the COVID-19 and the isolation and the pandemic because I had all six of my grandkids in my house for about six weeks. So I had a chance to really watch them, see how they were growing and their interaction. And I got to tell you, what a trip that was because yeah. all six of these kids have different personalities. You know, the one thing they do have in common is their sense of curiosity and how excited they do get when they accomplish something. You know, watching them grow year to year, obviously, is part of this book. You know, what really goes through a toddler's mind, they're so desperate, their parents are so desperate to understand. You know, when does a toddler really understand the difference between me and us? So this book kind of explores how the whole family finds out together. But you know, at the same time, as a baby boomer myself, trying to understand how the world has evolved since I was three years old, is also kind of part of this story. You know, my parents didn't have cell phones. They didn't have the internet. They didn't have cable TV. They didn't have remotes. I was my dad's remote. He said, son, go change the channel. I said, yeah. yeah. You, know, you know, I was the remote at the time. Their definition of discipline was completely different than what I'm seeing with my kids and how they're disciplining them. You know, so is today a better world to raise children in? I'll let your listeners kind of answer that question. Right. You know, are we treating kids better today? That's so, so that's all part of that book. And that's, that's why I got into this book because it's a true story. All the pictures are pictures I took of the kids and I sent them to the illustrator and she turned them into cartoons. Oh, that's cool. But it's a true story of, you know, the decisions that kids are making as they're growing up. And so that's, that was my latest adventure. That's awesome. Who would have thought to write a children's book and make so much money off of that? But I mean, that's something, you know, my producer and I, we were discussing that not too long ago of in the podcast space, you know, producing podcasts for kids, because especially in digital content versus written, how many times do we have me having three kids at home? How many times do I hear the same video play over and over and over on YouTube? And they just love it. And when they love it, they consume it and they're like mega consumers. So they just over and over and over listen to the same thing. And it's like, man, if I took you and had you read that book out loud on a YouTube video with the animation behind it, showing a cartoon of that book, I bet you, you could get so many downloads you could advertise on that one audio book just because kids are going to consume it over and over again if they love it. You know, when you think about it, 
as far as I'm concerned, this is the greatest generation this country has ever produced. These kids one to 10 right now. The reason being is, you know, they come right out of the womb on the internet. You know, right. they're, they're on the internet. They're on their iPhones. They're communicating. They're electronic. I mean, I didn't get on the internet until I was 40 years old. Here right. you got kids you know, that grew up with it. You know, so they have so much more technology at their disposal. But at the same time, it's up to us as parents and grandparents to balance that with what they really need to know about the world. And, you know, we we're talking about books. The greatest thing that we as adults can do is to get our kids into reading books. And so you got to do yep. that very young, very young. And let, let's you know, use me as an example. You know, I'm a grandfather. I grab one of my grandkids. You know, we grab a book and I sit them on my lap. And, you know, that starts a whole process. I mean, yep. the first thing it does, it creates a bonding between me and the grandparent and the child. You know, it's a nice way just to spend time together. You got 20 minutes, you know, because all these books only take 20 minutes to read. You know, you, you get 20 minutes, you got just you and them, just together. Yep. No outside, no, no videos going on. You know, another reason why we should be making sure we as adults are taking the time to read to our children is it supports listening skills. You know, it makes them, requires them to listen as you're just sitting one-on-one. -on -one. And you and I both know that as we grow older, listening skills are the best skills we can have. I mean, yes. you as a podcaster, you have to listen to ask questions. You know, I got to listen as we're building businesses or selling things. You always have to listen. If we can get that into these kids' minds, you know, right when they're coming out to one, two, three, four, five years old, by reading books... That's a trait that we as adults can really pass on to them. You know, another reason we should be reading books to these kids is because of all the cognitive and language skills that it, it begins. You know, it makes them, as you're reading a book to a child, there's lots of words they don't understand. So it gives you a chance to explain these words. I mean, there's lots of words I don't understand. I got to go look up, <laughs> you know, they're there. And so it gives you that format to do that, that 20 minutes a night that you do that. You know, and another reason is attention span. You know, these little wow. kids, they bounce off the wall all day yeah. long. You know, you get them sitting in your lap. You have key concentration, self-discipline. So I encourage all of your listeners to make that extra effort to offset all this great stuff they're learning from the Internet and take the time to teach them to read books yeah. and read books with them. Yeah, I'm lucky. You know, I never thought of it in such a detailed manner like that. And I guess I'm lucky that it was more of like from a tradition perspective or from a, like you said, just wanting to have like that routine with my kids every night, all three of my children. And my youngest is still in that age every night when it's bedtime, we have to read a bedtime story. Like there's no if, ands or buts about it. If you throw off that nighttime routine, then just be ready to stay up till 11 o'clock at night because it's not going to work. We have to do everything on a set schedule every single night, seven o'clock. It's time for that final bit of playing or movies or games. And then, you know, 730, it's time to hop in the shower or bathtub. Eight o'clock, it's time to get out, get in your pajamas, start getting your book together and quieting down. And then by 845, 850, it's time to read that book. And by 9, 915, it's time for the kids' butts to be in bed. And if we don't follow that routine exactly, our kids go berserk. And it's true, man. Like, I never realized how great it was for our kids. My oldest has a love for reading. And you're right. It probably spurred from dad or mom always had to read that book to me before I went to bed. And then it turned into him loving to read. And of course, he's still a digital consumer as well. So 
Yeah, I definitely agree. It's nice to have those things, if for nothing else, just to bond with your kids. Because it's definitely something that I don't take for granted. I make sure that I have that one-on-one time where, you know, my son is sitting in my lap, we're reading a book, we're spending time together, and it's quality time. But I kind of, I agree with you about this generation. I don't know if I agree fully that they're the best, and I'm not just saying this because I am one. But millennials, I've always felt like, and I feel like the millennial generation is split into two like sub generations of like the elder millennials, as I like to call us, where I grew up with parents that weren't boomers, but they were close. They were more hippies, but they still had a lot of like that boomer generation, you know, work ethic and all of that stuff in them that they passed down to me. And I went from same thing as you. I can remember when my parents didn't have cell phones. My grandmother was pretty wealthy, so she had a car phone in her Corvette. And that was, you know, a big deal. And then I remember my dad always having a pager because he ran a business. He was an entrepreneur as well. And so, you know, my mom would have to text him through that by basically just using numbers, you know, because there was no texting service or anything else. It was just a phone number. It's all that popped up and you knew to call that phone number back. But my mom wanted to get a hold of him without interrupting his work day. So she would send the numbers 221, 221. And that's all she would send. And it meant I love you. And it's still something that to this day in my family, all the way throughout my extended family, 221 still sticks. Like that's still something we do. It's still something we use, even though obviously technology has advanced tremendously. But it was just, it's really cool to kind of like have both sides of that where I remember when you paid per minute for the internet. I remember when you paid per minute for phone conversations and you paid per text message whenever texting came out, like I got to see all of that stuff and grow up in a totally different world than, you know, you take my kids, for instance, and my 13 year old, he may be different, but my seven year old and my three year old will never know a time that you couldn't pick up a device, put it in front of your face and video call somebody else and be on a video conference like we're doing right now for this podcast. And it just blows my mind. It's like my three-year-old and seven-year-old, what technology is going to come out next where they're going to be like, oh, remember in the old days when you had to have a cell phone to video call somebody, you know, and now I'm like popping up in a hologram in their house and I'm just in their house chilling with them, even though I'm right here or whatever the case may be. I feel so lucky to be in a generation that learned the old way, pen, paper, calculator, but then also learned the new way of, you know, hey, Siri or Alexa or hey, Google or whatever the case may be, where you got to just say those things out loud and the problem is solved for you on a calculator, on a miniature assistant that's inside your phone. It's just a really cool generation to be a part of. Oh, yeah. I'd like to go back to what you're talking about with your son, about how he really learned to love to read. Because, you know, our role, whether you're a baby boomer or a millennial, Our role really for these kids is it's necessary for us to teach children how to think, Mm -hmm. not what to think, but how to think. Yep. And, you know, he learned how to think by reading all those books with you. That's exactly, you know, you help mold that with him. You know, when you think about it, when you're sitting down again, using sitting down with the little kid on my lap, we need to be questioning them and teaching them how to think. So like, for instance, you know, before you even read a book to a kid, you should be asking him, what do you think is going to happen in this book? Mm. Let him start to think. You know, once you're in the book and reading to them, you know, you want to talk to them and you say, who are the characters of this book? You know, where is the setting? Get them to think. Keep them think about everything that you're reading to them. 
you know, does anything in this book sound familiar to you? Can you put yourself in any of these places, whether it's fantasy or real life or whatever? And then when you're done reading the book, much like I'm sure you're doing over dinner time, when you say, how was your day? You want to say, ask them, what was your favorite part of the book? Why was this your favorite part of the book? So going back to our role is to teach these kids how to think. And if we can do that by reading them books and then combining them with everything else they're learning electronically, then we have fulfilled what we're supposed to do as parents. Yeah. I can't say I go into every single detail on that, but it is definitely something we have talked about before, you know, just kind of naturally in conversation of like The Very Hungry Caterpillar, one of my three-year-old's favorite books, you know, and the line in there where it's like a big fat caterpillar and, you know, he, he kind of like emphasizes that and he's like, dad, he is a big fat caterpillar. And, you know, we just, we kind of go back and forth in that way of like, yep, he is, you're right, you know, and, and talk about those things, but you're 100% correct, man. Thinking skills, you know, whether we're talking from just problem solving, like me, I come from a fire background, right? I work full time as a firefighter. And it's like, that's what we get paid to do. You know, when you can't solve a problem, you pick up the phone and dial 911. And then the problem solvers show up and we figure out a way to help you through that problem. And we oftentimes tell each other, like, there is no 912. You know, you can't call back somebody else and say, hey, come out here and help us with this problem. It's you. You got to figure it out. And I want my kids to be that way, you know, and I oftentimes kind of have that, you know, 13 year olds are, man, they just don't like to make any decisions for themselves. They want to be told what to do. They want to do it as half ass as possible. And then they want to get out there and play with their friends or go do what they want to do. And my son comes up with that a lot where he's just like, well, you know, it's kind of like a willful ignorance, if you will, of like, well, I just, I don't know how to make it work because I tried this and that didn't work. And I'm like, then think about it. Sit down, look at the problem, think about other ways it could work, apply it, troubleshoot it, and make it happen. Like, it's not an excuse to say, I don't know, because you got to solve the problem. You know, I mean, if I'm not here tomorrow, you're the oldest boy. Who's going to be the man of the house? Who's going to help mom when she has a problem, you know, that she needs help with? And it has nothing to do with gender relations. My wife is an excellent problem solver. She's a single mother of three kids for two days out of the week when I'm at the firehouse. But the point is, who's going to step up and fill that role and be a help if I'm not here? Like, you've got to get into that role, you know? So you're right, man. Teaching these kids to do more for themselves and think about things, which is probably something I would say that this generation is kind of lacking. And it's probably the fault of the latter two generations that are starting to raise kids today that I think we're just losing sight of some important things like teaching your kids those critical thinking skills and problem solving skills, like spending that one-on-one -on -one time and bonding as a parent with your child. I think that even if you've got both parents in the home, we're almost raising kids that are either parentless or fatherless or motherless because one or the other or both parents have just not stepped out physically, but checked out on parenting. And I don't think it necessarily, you know, one big thing, one reason I'm glad to have you here with babyboomers.org is obviously there's always a war between like, oh, you know, shut up, boomer, or, oh, you know, it's just those young bucks. They don't know what they're doing today, whatever. And it's like in every generation, I don't think that one person speaks for that whole generation. I don't think a hundred thousand people speak for that whole generation. I think that as a whole, most of those generations probably have exactly what you said, some really awesome qualities we can pull out. 
And then we just kind of have to look at what the best is, what's working. And we just have a large group of people that may not be making the best decisions. So I think some excellent advice there. I mean, man, we're just, I think we're kind of killing it right now as far as getting some knowledge out there and some brainstorming on parenting here. Didn't know this was a parenting podcast, huh? <laughs> I like what you said. You were talking about your younger child that he liked the big fat caterpillar. Oh, yeah. These kids are so honest, you know. Oh. So the question is, when do they when do they start losing that honesty? Right. I mean, I was at my three year old granddaughter Grace's birthday party about last month, and she comes up to me and she says, "Gramps, she says, you got a big tummy." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nobody else would tell me that, right? She's three years old. She says, "How come you have such a big tummy?" You know. So they are just so honest at that age. Yeah, and you gotta appreciate it. Because part of, and one of the themes of my children's book, of I Don't Want to Turn Three, is, you know, at what age do we actually take responsibility for our actions? Is it three years old? Is it 13 years mm. old? Is it 23 years old? I mean, I got a plenty of a lot of baby boomers, 63 years old, that still don't take responsibility for their actions. You know, so <laughs> yeah. we've got to instill that into these little kids. Yeah, you're 100% right. I'll tell you what, man, I would have never told you you have a big tummy because if I told you that at podcast movement, you'd probably said the same thing to me. So out of crowd. <laughs> That's why I'm not going to tell you that. <laughs> but the yeah. other thing that you brought up, which is really part of the heart of this whole baby boomer movement that we're implementing is that too many grandparents in today's world really don't care about their grandkids. I mm. mean, in the latest poll, 30% of Baby boomers and grandparents are considered remote, which means that they're not involved in the raising these kids. Yeah. They may show up for a birthday. They may show up for Christmas, but you know, they're done. My generation's been very selfish to baby boomers. You know, they figured, hey, I raised some great kids. Let them worry about it. I got to go play pickleball. I got to do some traveling. You know, let, let those kids worry about it. So that's one of the things that's scary about this generation is a third of us, one out of every three of us, really don't want to get involved in raising these little kids. Now, we as grandparents have caused a lot of the action, that problems. You know, we may, as grandparents, we may not have liked the spouse our kids married. Okay, well, that causes a little friction between mom and dad and the kids and so forth. You know, we may be giving unsolicited advice to our children who think they know it all. And so that causes a strife. You know, we may just show up their house one day without announcing ourselves. That causes a strife. So there's all kinds of things that we as grandparents do that, help push the families apart. You know, the we undermine the parent's authority by challenging what a parent is teaching their kids in front of the kid. That causes strife within a family. We have a tendency to play favorites and manipulate siblings. Now, you know, I got six grandkids. I have a favorite, but I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going <laughs> to tell anybody who that favorite is. Yeah. You know, because that's going to cause problems. You know, that's what causes problems. We try to control our kids transactionally with giving them money, gifts, taking them on vacations to grandkids. You know, our kids still wanted that to happen. You know, we have an overall lack of empathy. We can't really get the feeling of a little kid. You know, and so grandparents who make their grandchildren comply or, or respect them, that causes a break. So a third of us are just not involved. And that's a loss for everyone because, you know, as you get older, you get smarter. And the only reason you get smarter, you know, one decade to the next is because you make more mistakes. So you make a lot of these mistakes and you learn from them. That's why you get smarter. So we have got to be able to share that knowledge with these little kids today to help round out all the other great stuff that they're learning from the Internet. 
So what is babyboomer.org doing exactly? Because I know just from the brief moment we spoke at Podcast Movement, how all of this conversation ties in, but tie it all together for me and tell me what babyboomer.org is doing specifically. Have you launched it yet? Just kind of give us the pitch on it. Oh, sure. No problem. Keep in mind that the baby boomer generation is as diverse as the one before it and the several after it. I mean, politically, they're all over the board. Religiously, we're all over the board. So it's a very diverse generation. And, you know, these are people that were born from 1946 to 1964. So, you know, it's 18 years that are, that's considered the baby boomer generation. Oh, well, then I guess, honestly, I'm glad you said that because I think we oftentimes kind of miss out on exactly what years they are. So both of my parents were boomers then because my dad was born in 52, my mom in 63. And yeah, yeah so I never really even realized that. But yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just... You know, I hear it all the time where people say like, oh, these damn millennials. And it's like, oh, no, no, no. That's a Gen Zer. Don't root <laughs> me into that. That's them. <laughs> you know, so please continue. I'm sorry. Yeah. The one thing that baby boomers do have in common is a shared experience. And that's what this site's all about is the shared experience. So when you think about it, what is our shared experience? Well, we were there when both Kennedys were assassinated. We were there when Martin Luther King was assassinated. We were there when the landing on the moon. That was part of our generation. We were there when birth control was just starting to happen. That was part of how what happened with us. We were there for Vietnam, both the bad and the good. I mean, we were there for Kent State when we lost four baby boomers there. We were there for the riots in the streets in the late 1960s. That was a baby boomer thing. But our we had music. You know, our music really pulls us together. We had mm-hmm. Elvis. We had the Beach Boys and the Beatles and Three Dog Night and Association and Supremes. You know, those are all great groups that we all had a commonality in, in going after. We were there for movies at all. We all kind of feeling for you know Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, Jaws, any of the Spielberg movies, really. Animal House, or Animal House, Star Wars was uh, was our generation. The Godfather. That's all part of the baby boomer generation. You know, we were there for Watergate. So we've got all these shared experiences that we have in common, even though we may politically be different, religiously may be different, but we've got these shared experiences. And I don't know if many of the generations after that can say they have these shared experiences because life has changed. I mean, when I, baby boomers, when we communicated with each other, we had landlines. We picked up the phone and called. That's why I think one of the reasons why vinyl records were so popular because it was a common thing that we could all listen to together. We didn't have all these, there were three television stations. You know, we didn't mm-hmm. have all the streaming, Steve. So we all had this shared experience. We all had these things that were all in common. And that's what this site is doing is pulling all of that together so the baby boomers and any other generation can kind of get a handle of what happened during that time and what can we do going forward. You know, on the site, there's sections for health, whether it's Alzheimer's or diabetes. You know, there's a section for sports, pickleball, you know, pool, all kinds of great things like that. There's podcasts. And so it's a place where we want people to go and enjoy things. I got an email from a customer two nights ago. And she says, I went to your site and I got lost for three hours. She said, I started (laughs) listening to one podcast and it led me to another podcast on a different subject. She says, you can't do that to me. I can't spend three hours on a site. Yeah, And that's what we want. We want it to be a place where bring back memories, but also bring hope and answers to things that we have to worry about today. 
That makes sense. Is this a totally free thing, paid thing, or is it like free with some in-app purchase style stuff? No, free. We are just looking for people to gather. That's you know, awesome. To enjoy the content. So it's it's free. It's just come on down. <laughs> you don't have to be a baby boomer to go to it because obviously it's a good place to do research on baby boomers. But, you know, come on down. When you think about it, baby boomers are now between the ages of 57 and 75 or 76 shortly. So that's the age that falls within our target market. You know, they hold, baby boomers hold 51% of the wealth mm-hmm. in the U.S. In fact, there are... 12 million small businesses still owned by baby boomers. Think about that. Yeah. 12 million businesses. Now, they're either going to pass it on or they're going to go out of business like we talked about, you know, at the beginning. So this says something has to happen with those 12 million businesses because none of us are getting any younger. You know, that's something that we'll have on the site for people to kind of figure out what to do with that. You know, baby boomers hold 70% of the disposable income in the United States. It's pretty wild. And, you know, they spend an average of $63,000 a year. So it's a generation that has made an impact. And so we're just trying to pull them all together. Yeah. And if you're an entrepreneur or you're a business owner of any type or you work in any type of business development and you don't know those numbers, man, you've got to take a second look at what you're doing and how you're doing it because those are some staggering numbers that you need to be catering to in certain businesses, you know. So thank you for sharing that. I mean, that's some really good insight there. On your website, how is that content generated exactly? So is this something that you have a team of people working on or is it all kind of user submitted? What do you all do there? Yeah, and that really kind of separates us from, say, AARP. You know, AARP is a membership you got to join and then they have a whole professional staff. We are made up of contributions of people. Yeah, you know, like we're looking forward to getting your podcast up because I think it's very relevant. You've got some great information. So if anybody is is a baby boomer and wants to share information or talks about the kinds of subjects that baby boomers like to talk about, which is just about everything. I mean, travel, finances, sports, just come to our site right at the top of the site. It says contribute content. Just push that button and it gives you a chance to go in there and really start to add. If you have a blog, you know, if you're writing articles, please, because that's how we're all going to get smarter and learn more is if we as baby boomers and those who support baby boomers, you know, just give us great content. That's all we want. We just want great content. Yeah. Well, and it works both ways, man. People have to understand how SEO works and One of the best things you can do to help out your business is write a blog that's relevant to your business, submit it to a website like yours with links on it that link back to your page. And then that helps build relevancy for your company, relevancy for your brand, you know, relevancy when you're looking at Google metrics and that kind of stuff. Like this is definitely, it's a big deal. Like we're honored to be able to have the beef podcast on your page soon because it's just another outlet for people to find us. And it's another way for our message and our information to get out there. So I definitely appreciate that. And I encourage anyone that's listening now or anyone that's visited your site before to definitely contribute into that because it can help both parties in so many ways. It's just like this podcast, having you as a guest is great for us because we get a bunch of attention from a new circle of influence that's here in the show for maybe the first time. And it's great for you because now all of our listeners are being introduced to you and your projects and what you have going on. And it's just a mutually beneficial thing. And if there's one thing I think that generational differences need to understand is that, hey, 
We've got to come together, no matter what your age is or what your religion, what your preferences, no matter what any of that is, we got to come together and, and help each other out. So that's amazing that, you know, you can just kind of submit, have some really cool stuff on there. I can't wait to get our stuff on there and kind of have that out there, man. Where can I buy your books? Oh, you can buy them on Amazon or Barnes and Noble, about a hundred other sites, or just come to my site. It's gramsjeffrey.com or I don't want to turn three.com. Or if any of your listeners want to continue this conversation, just email me at gramsjeffrey at gmail.com. I love to keep talking about this conversation, but it's interesting because it's come full circle because what you just said goes back to how the show opened up is that 50% of small businesses fail. Okay. Let's work together so we can bring that down to 40 or 30 yeah. or 20. You know, that's where we got to all cooperate because nobody wants to see other people fail. Mm-mm. We all want to do it. So you're right. Let's all work together and put links on each other's sites to try to make sure and reinforce and then keep the small businesses going. Yeah, I think that's a great message for the show for sure. Are you on social media? Yes, you can find us. You can find both babyboomer.org on social media. You can find Gramps Jeffrey on social media. So I've got three sites. And so I love to connect on other kind of sites too. Yeah. Now, social media is definitely big, you know, as far as getting your message out there. So it's awesome to see. I mean, pay attention, Gen Z and millennials. See, boomers can be on social media too. And it's not just (laughs) posting some messed up texts and, you know, pictures and whatever else that's on there. Some of them know how to run this stuff quite well. So, you know, my dad, unfortunately, never lived to see the advance in technology that he always told me was coming. A lot of things turned out to be exactly the way this man in the late nineties was telling me it was going to be, you know, one computer system sitting near your television. Of course, back then it would have been on your television that runs your whole house and stuff like that, that we're seeing come to fruition. Now, unfortunately he didn't get to see that. My mom didn't get to enjoy it for very long before she passed early as well, but she was somebody who was very, very involved in tech. You know, I wouldn't say that she was really technically savvy, but she was able to learn things pretty quickly. She just needed some guidance every now and then from me on how to do it. But man, she was, I don't know if you remember Facebook when you could play Farmville and Farmtown and all those games on them. And I would just hear her walking up the stairs to come into the computer room and hop on the computer and spend hours a day playing those games. So yeah, this is, I think it's going to help in that aspect as well, giving a technical outlet for boomers who do want to be more active on the internet and those places that, you know, some people would just assume y'all could never be, I guess. (laughs) Wrongfully. (laughs) Awesome, man. Is there anything else that you want to get out there about how to support you? I mean, obviously we can buy your books and then we can go to the page generate some content that y'all can use there on the page, which helps promote ourselves. But what else do you want us to do? What message you want to get out there for all of us to kind of help you out? Well, something you just said really hit a a sweet spot is, you know, the technology of today is so much more advanced than it was in the 90s. Can you imagine that if we can educate this latest generation with everything they know, how they're going to have an impact on this world, Mm. how much different it's going to be, you know, in 20 years from now, when these kids are the ones that are in the heart of running this. So if anybody wants to leave a legacy, think of that. Think about what can you do to help influence this greatest generation to take us even further. And that would be great if everybody could get involved with their grandkids. Yeah. I'm trying to remember the exact statistic because it's, 
It's not coming to me exactly how it was worded, but I saw something and it was on the internet. So it had to be true, but (laughs) no, it was basically what it said was like in the last 20 years, we have seen more of an advancement of technology than we had seen, you know, since existence began prior to that, you know? So basically in this, let's say 22 years, the year 2000 to 2022, We've seen so many technological advances and even backing up a little bit there, but it's like all throughout the 1700s, 1800s and 1900s, the technological advances we've seen cannot rival what we've seen between 2000 and 2022. As far as just, you know, thinking back on it, like you said, even in the 90s, I remember that we were dealing with pagers and we were dealing with car phones. And if you did have a cell phone, it was a brick that was, you know, literally the size of a brick that's on the side of a home. And it had, you know, that black background with orange numbers and just numbers that you could push. And that was it. Like, that's what you had. That's what you did all the way up to 2004 to 2006 developing and launching, you know, the iPhone and an app-based operating system all the way into what we see now as, you know, just a regular smartphone which back in the day we would have had a camera for, we would have had a phone for, we would have had, you know, an MP3 player for, we would have had all these separate items for this one small item. It's like technology is just exploding at a rate that we can't understand and you're right. Anybody can step up in the tech age and be kind of a hero, a groundbreaking, record-setting billionaire, basically, at the end of everything they're doing because they're leaving a legacy of such a technology that's being built that's so different from what they'll look back and say 20 years ago when we're in the 2040s. And it's like, remember back in the 20s when we had it real bad? (laughs) You know, you're right, man. It's crazy where we're going to go. And I can't even fathom it. Right. But man, unless there's another message you want to get out there, all I can say is this has been an excellent show, excellent conversation. I think what you have going on is really cool. And truly, Andrew and I, we are super excited to be a part of it and get this show submitted to you. That way we can get our content out there for your viewers. Great. Look forward to seeing you. Absolutely. Mark, thank you for joining me for another episode of the Beef Podcast. Listeners, thank you for joining us for another episode. And please, babyboomer.org. Is that correct, Mark? That's right. That's all you got to do. Type that in all the way in your address bar. Nice little URL, all these things. Just type it in. Go to that website. Check it out. See what he's got going on there. Look for the Beef Podcast on there. And then again, if you want to contribute, contribute. But we say it all the time. It costs $0.00 to go and support somebody just by liking their content, sharing their content, being a part of their ecosystem. So please check him out, buy one of his books, buy both of his books, buy all of his books, whatever he's got. Let's support this person because they deserve to be on the show. They deserve to get that message out there. Just like everybody we bring you every single Thursday with a new episode of the beef podcast. Thanks for joining us listeners. As always stay beefy, my friends. Thank you. You've been listening to the beef. Thanks for listening. Make sure to like, 
rate and review. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information that you can use. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, follow us on social media. Hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Beefy Marketing. Would you like your business featured on the beef? Know a business that should be featured? Visit beefymarketing.com slash the beef. Remember, branding is about a connection with you and your people. Till next time, thanks for listening to The Beef.